as the mind grows calm and quiet, its attachment to the world lessens and dissolves, and the quality and feeling of the heart and body become lighter and buoyant. They rise out of the world, and one feels that the body has separated apart from all the heaviness around it. Once this has happened, then we might be sitting, walking, or going about our usual activities in daily life, but our mind, our heart, and our bodies feel as if they're slightly above it all, as if they're not quite a part of those regular things which we usually have felt completely bound by. However, if the mind doesn't have sila, morality, or dhamma, then it feels heavy. It feels as if it's sinking or drowning in the world and the worldly conditions around it. But that mind and heart imbued with sila and dhamma will rise as if uh, it's a deva or the heart of a heavenly being. It'll experience lightness. And these three aspects of merit, that coming from dana or giving, from sila or morality, and from bhavana or practice, work together to lighten the body's uh, quality and the mind's quality in this way. The Buddha also developed these but further advise that we contemplate with wisdom what this world really is, namely the four elements of earth, water, fire, and air, that the body in reality, our form, what we're so attached to, is really just these four elements bound and gathering together for a brief moment in time. And true wisdom arises when we work to contemplate and separate out these elements and see them in their constituent parts so that we may cease to attach. Similarly, we can contemplate this body in terms of the 32 parts of the body. We can ask ourselves, is this blood which runs through our veins, is this us, is this me, is this mine? We can ask the same about the five external parts of the body that we can see easily. Nails, skin, hair of the head, hair of the body, and teeth. The Buddha contemplated like this as well and saw his body as not his to lay claim to, as not his to identify with. That it was simply a sankhara, a conditioned phenomena that was arising based on previous conditions. He deepened this reflection by contemplating along the lines of Paticca Samuppada, or dependent origination, realizing that Sankara, or volitional formations, led to Vijnana, or consciousness, 
which in turn conditions nama rupa, name and form, which leads to salayatana, the six sense bases, to contact, pasa, to vedana, feeling, and finally to tanha, or craving, namely our tendency to fall into liking and disliking those mental aramana or impressions that arise in the mind. It's worth stopping at this specific link and looking more deeply into the types of tanha or craving as these are the cause of suffering. So there's kama tanha, craving for sensuality or pleasant things. There's bhava tanha, craving for becoming, wanting to get, acquire or become various uh, things or maybe positions in the world. And then there's vibhava tanha, craving to not become, craving to not have uh, painful experiences and the like. And all three of these cravings, the Buddha identified with his wisdom as the supreme causes or the causes of suffering. No matter what worlds we're born into, no matter what births we take, whether they be human, heavenly, that of a Brahma, refined realms, formless realms, anywhere, all these births are similarly conditioned phenomena and are therefore subject to that same law of decay, death, and eventually suffering. If we're still attached, then we will inevitably go through this cycle of suffering again and again. We're like a child who's taking an exam but is yet to pass beyond it. Still, at the very least, we can count our blessings in having taken birth as humans, where we have the ability to develop wisdom and mindfulness. Those born as animals do not have this ability. They are condemned to just suffer, to sink into lower realms. But as humans, our ability to possess and develop sati and panya, mindfulness and wisdom, means that we can look for the cause of our suffering and move towards Nibbana, what the Buddha identified as the release from all suffering. So the path to doing this, once again, goes along the lines simply of dana, giving, sila, ethics, and bhavana, or practice. And the letting we can practice very practically with various conditions and contemplations that match and balance our particular character type. So to bring it down to practical uh, application, if we find that we're an anger type, or dosa, then we may develop to work the four, or develop the four Brahma Viharas, or divine abidings of metta, loving kindness, karuna, compassion, mudita, gladness, and upekka, equanimity. And these four Brahma Viharas, or boundless abidings, will help little by little soften our anger. 
if we're a moha character, delusion, one who finds themselves constantly doubting, thinking, vacillating, uselessly, then we can work to develop and center and calm the mind using anapanasati or mindfulness of breathing. If we have a great deal of wisdom, then we contemplate the four elements as outlined before, earth, water, fire, wind, and see that this is all that there is in the world. And as we separate the world into these elements, we understand deeply in our hearts that the world itself and those things we formerly become lost and infatuated in are not worthy of attachment. We see the suffering that's intertwined in all things and we slowly let go of being attached. We slowly separate out little by little from the worldly conditions that have bound us. As we move towards this quality of cessation and away from the fever of the world, we are moving towards a contemplation the Buddha identified as upasamanusati, or the contemplation of cessation. It's the making much of, the looking to, this quality of cooling, of letting go, of cessation, of nibbana. And the wisdom character who undertakes to contemplate the four elements in these ways moves towards just this perception. So whatever jiritta or character type we identify in ourselves, we use that as our guide to practice, taking on the appropriate kamatana or med meditation object. Longpur Cha compared this to our selecting of a proper menu of food that we will appreciate and which matches our preference. As we try different sorts of flavors of food, or in this case practice, we will find that certain ones fit us well. Certain ones lead the mind to calm and samadhi, to lucid stillness quickly. Once we've found our proper object to cool the mind in this way, to calm it, then we turn it to contemplate the body. We see that this body and those of those, of those around us are not ours and not ourself. And as the, as the mind sees clearly through this body, then we break through into the first stage of realization that of a sotapanna or stream enterer. And this breakthrough indicates our movement towards and into the lineage of the Aryans or noble beings. We have attained the first stage of awakening. Once a chitta or heart has found this stage of awakening, it may exist near and with others, and yet it is not the same as them. It is in the world, but has risen above the world and stands unsmeared by the world. 
it may still experience the vacillations of attachment and aversion to some extent to the conditions and sense impressions that it undergoes, but these do not shake it in the same way and it is constantly trying to fight against the unwholesome tendencies inherent. The world might try to drag it this way or that, but it fights back. Sometimes it loses and sometimes it wins, but the heart of a Sotapanna or noble being knows that it's in battle. It knows it's winning and it knows it's losing and it does not lose its perspective or reference point or dedication to walk this path. It takes as its weapon the, Ar the Aryan path, the Eightfold Noble Path. And this is what it uses to battle or go against the kilesa or defilements that are in the heart. It has great wisdom. And so it ceases to have the same interest in what we call lokadama or the worldly conditions. These it perceives as only turmoil, as restless and empty conditions. And as it begins to separate away from such bonds and heaviness, it more and more abides in a sense of rapture or pity, an almost otherworldly sense of well-being. It becomes brighter and brighter with the merits coming from the three sources we've spoken of before, that of dana or giving, of sila, morality, and finally of bhavana or practice. And this merit coming from bhavana is the best and highest of all three as it ushers into complete release from all dukkha. This practice comes from and also leads to right view. We have right view and therefore are able to perfect and develop the entirety of the Eightfold Path. However, when we find ourselves or others straying from this path, then we know that it, this straying is based upon micha ditti or wrong view and the restless heart blinded by such wrong view sinks back into the world. When we are born, we, if we have correct view, we recognize the profound good fortune of our situation in that we've come into a human body with these higher qualities and capacities. We've been helped by our mother, our father, our teachers. The Buddha said it was hard to find one who knew the debt they owed to others and would pay it back. And we should reflect 
how much of a debt and how grateful we should be for the help of those in our lives who have given us the most, not simply our mother and our father who have given us an immense gift through raising and teaching us, but also to the Buddha himself, the teacher who laid down this path to us. And as we reflect in this way with right view, the chitta, the heart, rises to that of a divine being. So the heart that is imbued with such goodness and brightness continues and delights in doing good. We continue to develop all these sources of merit and the animal realms become little by little something that we can depend on not being reborn in, especially if we have broken through to the first level of enlightenment of Sotapanna, in which case the animal realms are forever close to us. We contemplate and the mind moves towards delight in the Dhamma. We brighten and bring the heart and mind up through the realms from that of a divine being to that of a Brahma and onward. Nibbana is possible and requires simply this daily, continual, persistent attenuation, elimination of dosa, loba, and moha, of aversion, greed, and delusion. And if these qualities of aversion, greed, and delusion can be given up completely, then we will attain a true, lasting, and good happiness. Our birth as a human is not to be taken for granted, and I urge you all to move towards the final goal on this path of practice.